Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams who are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. Video segments of this and other episodes of the podcast can be found at Sales Leadership United, hosted on Patreon. Think of Sales Leadership United like a Home Depot for sales leaders. It's a comprehensive resource for sales leaders with over 100 hours of tools, training, and insights sorted and tagged into every category you might need to help you become an elite sales leader. A private podcast, sales leadership training, sales meeting insights, video insights, and much more are waiting for you to check out at Sales Leadership United. Don't reinvent sales leadership. Tap into proven tools and techniques used by many of today's most successful sales leaders and check out Sales Leadership United today. Now, get ready for some serious insights from this week's sales leader who's making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are joined by yet another great sales leader. Todd Spooner is the chief sales officer for one of the companies that really is impressing me right now, Kings 3 Emergency Communications. Now, Kings 3 is the group that gets called when someone gets stuck in an elevator. And while the head-turning growth is something that you can't help but notice, what I love about what Todd's doing with his team is that this growth comes as they stay true to a mission that really matters. Todd and his team aren't just doing well. They're doing good for all those they come in contact with. Now, Todd's led sales teams for a long time with great success. He has a really great history, and he's learned to help people that are fortunate enough to be on the teams he leads choose growth and have life-changing years while working under his leadership. I know because I've watched firsthand. I've seen what kind of progress, what kind of culture, and what kind of results his team experience, and he's been doing it for a number of places for a long time. And that's why I can tell you we are in for a real treat today, and I've been looking forward to this conversation. Todd. Welcome to the show, and thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely, Rob. I'm so excited to be part of this and super humbled uh, to be uh, invited as well. You know, I've learned a lot, uh, and it's been instrumental in my uh, leadership, uh, sales leadership, listening to your podcast and your guests. So uh, my only hope is that I'm able to pass something along and play it forward for others that uh, I've taken so much from. I have zero doubt, man, because I've seen what your team does and how you've had impact. So thank you. I'm like, I'm serious. We're going to, I already know, man, we're going to run out of time fast because we got good stuff today that we're going to sink our teeth into. Sure. Okay. So why don't you start by introducing Kings three um, Kings three is a company that maybe they're familiar with. Maybe they're not, but I love your mission. I love your company. I'd, I, I'd love to showcase your company just a little bit. If you share with our, our listeners who you are and what you do. Absolutely. Have you ever been stuck in an elevator? Thankfully, no, but it's on my list of things I do not want any part of. That's right. And I get one or two answers usually. It's like, yeah, it sucked or uh, no, but it's one of my greatest fears. So that's what we do. We monitor those emergency calls in elevators and help uh, phones that, that show up sometimes at pools and common areas. And we kind of help people uh, in emergency situations and keep them calm in distress, uh, distress situations. We take approximately 150,000 calls per month. 
Whoa. So there are a lot of people that get stuck in an elevator. I was going to say, that's a lot of therapy coming, right? That's a ton, right? Or just simply need to help uh, in some situation. So um, as a result, you know, we do a lot of different things as it relates to, to that call. And we, we help reduce risk and liability for property managers. Um, and I love getting in front of customers and talking about what we do and how we do it, because no one does it just like we do around the country. Um, and to have them go, geez, I never really thought about that. Uh, or I never knew there was a company that actually did that. You, re- you record the calls, you can share them with us, um, you know, things like that. It's just a really super fun business. We often refer to ourselves being in the life safety business, and that's pretty cool. It is cool. And I've seen some of the testimonies. I've watched some of the videos when I was with you guys. And I, I, I would have thought that you guys have like, you, you say, hey, helps on the way. But you don't just do that. You like stay with them and you coach them and you help them out and That's bring right. in another family member. It was amazing to me just how much you can do to help that experience not be as traumatic as it otherwise might be. That's right. And the, the number one difference for us is that we answer every call every time as a potential emergency. So that's that's the difference between someone else just taking a service call to help get you unstuck. So, you know, we have our own call center and our technicians, our ability, uh, you know, are medically trained and uh, it's just fantastic. And we help customers, uh, people that get stuck in there, their tenants or guests through some pretty uh, significant situations or our stories are just really fun to talk about. They don't always turn out great, unfortunately, for some individuals. Right. Um, but we're there to try to do the best we can to get them there. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. And I, like I said, I love, I just love the mission that you guys do. It's, it's, it's a line of business I'd never thought of. I don't know why I've been on hundreds and thousands of elevators, right? And I didn't either, you know, when I got, when I was talking to the company about working here, uh, working with them, uh, same thing. I'm like, you do what? <laughs> um, yeah. But it was a real, real good fit for my background. Well, I, I love the mission. I love what you're doing. But again, this is the Sales Leadership Podcast, and you're a fantastic sales leader, and you guys have had a remarkable run. Before we get into what we're going to talk about today, I'd love just uh, kind of the highlight. How'd you get into sales, man? Hardly anybody's like, I'm going to be in sales when I grow up. We're accidentally involved, but intentional, successful. How'd you, how'd you get in? How, how'd it lead you to where you are now? Yeah, I think that's the, that's the, the classic case, right? Nobody goes into sales uh, thinking they're going to graduate college and go into sales. And I kind of stumbled in it. I, I, when I left college, yeah. I was in the property management space, uh, oh, hence wow. dealing with property managers here. So that's a good fit. Um, and along the way, I had a really good friend of mine, shout out to Marcus Davin out there, um, said to me, hey, you know, I, I, he was working for uh, uh, AirTouch, if you remember that name back in the day. Totally remember AirTouch, yeah. Right? So now I'm dating myself. Yeah. And he says, you got to come work for us and sell phones, right? I mean, he was killing it over there. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I could do that. And he's like, why? I said, well, I wasn't born a salesperson. And he just started laughing at me. Now, hence, he was a fraternity brother. So he said a, a few other choice words along the way. Yeah. He just started laughing at me. And I'm like, what's so funny? He goes, do you really think all salespeople are born? I'm like, well, aren't they? He's like, well, I might have been. But he goes, not everybody is. And people learn the process and the skills and they have the discipline to follow them, then anybody can do it. And I was like, that was the first time in my life I just kind of went, oh, wow, that, that kind of changed my thought process about sales. And I jumped into the sale business and uh, I haven't, I've never looked back from a sales perspective. What a great way to start this thing off, especially what we're going to talk about. Salespeople aren't born, they're yeah. made, right? That's right. Yep. And uh, you know that goes into that theme of accidentally involved, but we are intentionally going to succeed. That's right. and, and that's the perfect segue. So let's get after it, shall we? Absolutely. All 
All right. So you guys, let's speaking of you, we've got a lot of people like we have over 20,000 listeners to the show now. And you guys had a great year. We got a lot of uh, sales leaders that had great years. And I'll first congratulate you for having a terrific year last year. So kudos to you. Thank you. And as always the case, ma'am, what's the reward for a big year? The company asks for what? <laughs> more. More. They push yeah. that more button over yeah. and over again, right? It's understandable, but you know, it's coming. It's like, oh, come on, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, we both know that as sales leaders, we sign up to fuel the growth of the company. That's what we sign up for. So that's right. The more buttons expected, the more buttons healthy. Sometimes I think it gets pushed too much, like someone trying to get a dopamine hit or whatever their That's drug right. of choice is. Yeah. Um, but but what I like, what I want to talk about is when that more button gets pushed, then we as sales leaders and sales teams, we got to deliver, right? We, we got to deliver. And the more button can cause lots of emotions, particularly when you're leading a high performing team. I, I actually think it might be easier to fix a low performing team and say, the reason we're low performing is this. We do this, we'll be high performing. No when you have a high performing team and they push the more button, it's easy sometimes for them to say, man, Todd, I, I, I gave you all I had last year, man. I, I don't, not sure what, and sometimes we make that either or construct that, oh, if I'm going to grow by X percent, I'm going to have to give up X percent of my life. And that's not what you do. That's what I want to talk to you about. I love your approach. You turn to skill development and and skill sometimes is misinterpreted. And I can't wait. We're gonna have a great conversation. You help your team intentionally grow in places that ultimately lead to new performance levels as a result. Right. right. Yep. How do you help them choose that? That's what I want to know. How do you create a team where people choose growth? They choose development. So first of all, um, you know, I, I think sales professionals, uh, there's lots of things that go into that space, right? To help someone be successful or, or a reason why someone is successful. But I think there's three, three big buckets for me and it's, it's mindset, discipline, and skill. Uh, and mindset is, you know, there's a couple of things that hang off of that. First of all, it's attitude and, you know, not blaming, complaining, and defending your, your situation all the time. But the big one around that is just that growth mindset and curiosity. Um, so, to set yourself up, I think, appropriate for that, you got to do your darndest to really hire people that hopefully have a curiosity mindset, someone that's really wanting to learn and that's, that's chasing that for themselves a little bit already. Because when, when you get into the skill level in teaching that skill, you know, some companies, uh, some companies do nothing, right? Some, mm. some companies give crap, right? Um, and quite honestly, then some companies give a decent amount, but it's like a it's like a fire hose in the beginning, and then it goes to a crimp garden hose at best. So mm. um, having that mindset up front, I think not only as um, the person you're hired, but as, as the leader uh, yourself um, and how you give that. So uh, I just believe that it's got to continue. And I kind of refer to myself as a, as a kind of a drip person, uh, like, kind of like an IV. Um, you know, you can go get an infusion where it just flushes in you. Um, but an IV is really the best way to, uh, to get that in your system. So again, I, I start with the, the person that we're bringing on board. It starts, uh, then it goes from the onboarding, uh, you know, during that period of time, then it transitions to, if you've got a sales trainer, that's great. If not, you should, you should be getting some coaching outside of that. And then ultimately, uh, you know, the sales leader, um, I just refuse to have any sales leaders, uh, that don't know how to coach. And what does that really mean? Um, and, um, I, I, again, I, I, I drip, sprinkle it, whatever you want to call, call it around the things that we do every day. I follow really good. Uh, I think, uh, you know, LinkedIn influencers, uh, I read, I'm not a natural reader, 
um, and I listen to podcasts and um, it excites me. It gets me going every day. And that's how we bring it down to everybody. Um, again, it starts from day one and it doesn't stop until they're gone. All right. You just set up the whole rest of our conversation. I can throw my other notes away because we could spend the whole 45 <laughs> minutes on this right here, man. Um, so I want to I want to dive in. Can we can we kind of go a little deeper on what you just talked about? Is yeah, that cool? Absolutely. You mentioned something that you call drip. Can you talk about what you mean when you say drip and, and help our listeners that are listening, like what a drip approach might look like and how you go about it? Yeah, I think dripping it. And again, it's, it's not that fire hose. It's like, you know, you don't um, like I'm not I'm not opposed to like book clubs because I think that's good to get people to read. Um, but sometimes people just think, hey, we're, let's read one book and, and we're going to change everything we do. And I tend to believe that that's not the case. It's like you, you read a book to do a couple different things or listen to podcasts and so forth. And that's to keep you fresh. Um, it might just remind you of something that you really should have been doing or were doing in the past um, or something that just gets you excited. Right. And, and keeps and keeps it uh, keeps it going in the right direction. So I do the same thing. I, I tend to blend everything that I do. So I think it's innate of what I'm doing first to make sure that you drip it. If you don't believe and do the things that you, that you think other people should be doing, practice what you preach, then, then you shouldn't be doing it at all. So it's, it starts with the leader. Um, again, I, I like to blend kind of like I believe like prospecting should be blended of how you, you know, whether it's in the field or over the phone and LinkedIn and so forth, not just one thing. So out of those three things, I take that and, you know, I, I walk just about every weekend. I listen to podcasts, a lot of yours. Um, and I just know I'm walking on my podcast and I'm, I'm saying, so I'm probably saying, amen, or whatever it is might be out, out loud, right? And looking <laughs> yeah. around or people looking at me, like I just get excited. And then my team knows, oh, it's the weekend. Todd's going to drop something on me. Well, no, Todd's <laughs> going to drip something on you. I'm not asking you to do anything. I just want to put it in your inbox and get it off my mind uh, because it, it's just really cool stuff. And then I do the same thing. Uh, at the sales uh, sales uh, professional level, um, you know, we I do I send emails, I send uh, notes via chat. You know, I just drip it in different ways. It shows up in my monthly sales meetings. Um, the leaders have it show up in their team meetings weekly. Um, it's it's like chunking it up. I heard heard the term you know chunking, chunking it up yeah. years ago, yep. uh, and breaking it down because you can just give people way too much and they choke on it. So In fact, I think that that's what happens more often than not. I think the studies show that chunking is the trait. Yes. It's the official term. You're right. Yeah. And um, I, I read a, a book. It was about, you know, sales or um, sports teams around the world. And they're really good ones in different aspects. And it's how they broke it down. So again, I just take bits and pieces and continue to, uh, you know, uh, reference them and influence them and uh, encourage them. Uh, to to be uh, learners and have curiosity around what they're doing. Um, Because I think about people like uh, Michael Jordan um, or Kobe Bryant, rest his soul, you know, um, or Tom Brady, you know, whether you love these guys or not, you know, if you're on the losing side, you might not like them, but these guys were good. In fact, I could probably argue one out of those two probably weren't real good in college but he became a great NFL quarterback, right? We um, all know who that is. Exactly. Um, but if you really do behind the scenes, like with Michael Jordan, I mean, the stuff that he did outside of, of the workspace um, or his, his practice time was incredible. And I'm not saying you have to go kill yourself and work to that level, but um, a company can't give you everything you need. 
So it, it's just something I continue to communicate to my team on a regular basis that um, how you go from good to great is by uh, taking responsibility of it for, from yourself as well. Okay, you got, you can see I'm writing down. Those of you that are on Sales Leadership United, you'll start seeing these segments start dr- coming through and you'll see I, I'm writing this down. I can't keep up with you right now, Todd. I'm sorry. You, you said something that I want you to go a little farther on while I'm writing yeah. it down because I, I have my little place where I'm taking notes of things to ask you now because you're bringing yeah. up all, all this fire. Yeah. That's a big statement. A company can't give you everything you need. Right. Um, I love it. And that scares some people. Some people, I don't think they realize you got to invest in yourself a little bit. Or like, I'm thinking about my travel team, baseball team. Like one of my highlights in my life was taking a team of 12 year olds to Cooperstown and winning the little league world series. I was the first Utah coach to ever do that. And it it was awesome. Yeah. I, I could talk to you about that for an hour, but, but we would tell our players, when we're at practice, we're not going to be able to do a lot of individual stuff with you. It's team practice, right? right. Yep. And so we'll, you'll get a bunch of ground balls. You'll get some fly balls. You'll get, a, you'll get a bunch of, you know, however many pitches you get in batting practice. But you should be having X number of, of swings a day on your own. Or if you're a pitcher, you should be doing X number of pitches on your, if you're on a pitch count, stuff like that. That's right. and, and, and those that did it. I mean, what happened was amazing to those people. I don't think it's any different here. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't think it's any different. I mean, and everyone knows I'm a sports guy. You know, I like sports and I have a ton of sports analogies. So I try to change it up from time to time. Good. No, stay there. Right. You know, I I know. Right. Uh, But I think about it like a musician. Think about that. Maybe they're in an orchestra. Do you think they get better during their performance time or a group time? They're, they're, They're crafting their their instrument, you know, on the side. Uh, so sports is really easy to reference from that perspective. Um, my son plays lacrosse in college right now. And, and my oh. older boy did too. Same thing. It, the lacrosse, it's wall ball, right? Oh. Get on that wall, get those, those hands going. Go. He's an offensive player. So he's got to go out and shoot on his own. He can't, he can't get all his skill from practice and you can't get all your skill from working eight to five either. It's not possible because you've got to be doing other things to be able to create those opportunities. And unfortunately, you know, we sellers are, are cutting their teeth on some of their customers. There's just, I don't think there's a way around it. I mean, I think it's, it's ideal not to. So you give them as much as you can in the beginning, and then you got to set them loose because you can't have them in training to, to be perfect for in three months or two months or six months. So right. it's that requirement outside of that. And I'll be honest with you. I think I'd shared with this with you. My, some of my very best, uh, you know, sales reps over the years, regardless of tenor, a tenure, and I have two right now that come to my mind that are on both extremes of the tenure side. You know, one is less tenure and the other one is very tenured. Um, and they're two of my very best sales reps. They are pushing, they push me sometimes on content. Nice. Right. Nice. And that is just unbelievable. They're willing to continue to sharpen their sword and learn and grow. Um, and that's what makes the difference with them. Everyone kind of thinks, oh, they're lucky. Oh, they have this, they have that. Oh, they got this in their market. It's just like, you know what? They could still screw it up, right? No matter what anybody gives it to them, it's not on a plate, um, but it's the fact that they continue to, you know, uh, sharpen their sword or whatever terminology you want to use and they, they drive for it. So I want to, like, this is awesome. I, I really like this. You, you used words like drip. You shared with me what I like about that is it's you're building a culture of you're injecting outside things to implement. 
That's what I like. And so it's not just a drip training where, oh, we're going to have short trainings in our meetings and go, no, you're dripping by creating a culture that we are always consuming. We're always looking, we're always growing. And, and you probably, I'm guessing, Todd, tell me if I'm wrong. It creates this culture where people feel safe playing that same game. They share stuff too, I'm guessing. Yeah. But uh, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, and I want that. I want that. You know, I, I tell people um, again, back to sports. I said, you know, I used to, uh, when I coached lacrosse myself, I had some kids that, you know, would come at the end of practice. Hey coach, I really need to get involved with, you know, I need to get better. You know, could you help me? And then I had some kids that obviously, as you know, some kids just throw total attitude either because yeah. they're stuck out there because their parent put them there or they just generally have an attitude. So when you correct them on the field, they don't get any better. Where do you think I spent most of my time? hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So why would, would be any different in the workplace? If some I'm as a leader, uh, as a coach, that's what you should be all about. If you get better, if you win, I win. So I constantly tell people that I tell them if you've got something that you want to bounce off me um, or uh, you know, spitball, come to me, let's talk about it. I don't have all the answers either. Um, but that's why I continue to read and listen to podcasts and, you know, follow good influencers because uh, it just helps me. And when I do that, I'm now practicing what I preach. Mm. Which I, we'll come back to practicing what you preach. I'm going to write that down and note on that because I think that could be one of the most important leadership a- a- attributes, you know? Agreed. Um, so let's, let's finish this drip and move on. And this, now that I understand your definition of drip, I'm really glad I asked because for some people, it's predetermined short trainings that you just kind of have come. Yes. And, and what I like is yours is more of a cultural deal. And, um, and it helps people like get into this habit of searching for these things so they can take charge of some of their own development. I'm guessing, is that fair to say? Absolutely. So that's why you say you want to hire for curiosity then, because you want people that are going to be on the lookout for that. On the lookout, lookout or pushing me, you know, how do you do that? I mean, that's a really uh, curiosity is a term that you hear used a lot. Um, It's, it was really big that kind of went away, but I think it's back again and people are talking about it heavily again. Yeah. I just said that to my team the other day. I know it seems like a little bit more of a buzzword you hear coming out of my mouth a lot too, you know, and they're like, yeah, we are. Um, but it, that's, <laughs> that's what it's about, you know, so I do ask questions, uh, you know, and, and you can only do so much in an interview process, in my opinion. Um, but you got to ask questions around things like, um, Hey, what did, you know, you, you talked, you know, first to our, our recruiter. Okay, good. Um, and you've talked to the hiring leader. Oh, great. So tell me what you know about the position. You know, what, what did they tell you? So I want to see if they're paying attention. What did you learn? What did you ask? Yeah. yeah. Are they excited about the opportunity? And then, then I kind of transition to, so, you know, tell me what you know about our company, you know, uh, because and that's like the easiest thing you can do today, right? Go out to hit some company's website and learn a lot about them. And uh, so that's kind of where I start with those kind of questions uh, around trying to understand if they're really excited about it. Um, I'll ask the question, hey, do you do anything outside of work to develop yourself professionally? Um, I can tell you how, how many more times I get nothing or something that didn't really even answer the question than I don't. Um, so sometimes I'll move on to other questions that maybe pull out that curiosity uh, that's not really re- related to that. Maybe no one's guided them yet to, to learn about sales and crafting their sales sword, sword but there might have been something else in their life. Yeah. So let me ask you this, what you've made me think I'm trying to like, now you took me back to the very first thing you said when you introduced how you got into sales, where you said, I'm not a sales guy. And then he's like, really? You can be. 
is curiosity something that you have or don't have, or is that something you can develop? Is that something you can help someone develop as the ability to become more, have more curiosity? I think predominantly it's something you, you, you just have, you either have it or you don't. Uh, personally, okay. you could probably have a good discussion around that or an argument. No, you know, I'm not going to argue. I'm really yeah. interested to take. Yeah, because yeah, but like I, I you think you're, either, you're born with it or you're not. Now, are there certain things that if you can help someone get to some place and they have some success, maybe they then become more curious about it? Um, because sometimes you have to prove it to people to believe it, you know. And then it's like, oh, I'm bought in now. Now I'm now I want to get even better at what I'm doing. Uh, and sometimes leaders have got to do that you know, you, you change companies or become a new leader, you've got to create that ability as well. Right. Uh, but I think most people are, are, are born with it. It doesn't mean like you're wanting to open a book all day, every day. Like I said, I'm not a book reader, nor is, nor is my, my oldest son is, and he, he knows a ton. My younger one's not a book reader, but now I've got him reading, uh, which is pretty cool. And, and he's, you know, enjoying that when he goes into class now in college, but um, I had to force myself because I wanted to get better at what I did. Hmm. Todd, this is good because I'm mapping it all back to your big three of mindset, attitude, and skill. Yep. Um, and, and they all are like, as we've talked about, kind of what do you do? You had this mindset of curiosity and, and you, you see that by this, uh, how, they, how they respond to this dripping, which I, I freaking love. <laughs> you talked about then that you're coaching. You don't hire someone who doesn't know how to coach. So that got my attention because mm-hmm. first of all, it's a passion spot of mine. And you and I both have seen the data that shows that most sales leaders say they're great at it, but most of the reps that work for them say it ain't that helpful. And so how do you figure that out? I'm really interested in how you figure out, you know, who is and who isn't good at it. And, you know, maybe you could share a little bit about how you built this culture of coaching inside your organization, because ultimately that's a big part of how you choose growth, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, even, even with, um, you know, sales reps, I'll ask the question, even at a lot of these same questions, uh, first of all, to uh, leaders, if I'm hiring them as well, my, my questions don't change a whole lot. They may vary because maybe uh, one's more sales specific versus a leader specific, but mm. I'll ask the same questions to, to start understanding if there's curiosity from them first, right? Because that's, that's a, that's a main factor in what they're doing and, and what they're, if they're curious, they're going to go teach curiosity. They're going to go teach and hopefully drip like I do. Right. So I, I start there and then I'll ask them, you know, talk about a little bit to me about what your week looks like. You know, how, how do you set it up and knock it down? Um, and when you start to hear an, a, a balance out of balance scenario around things that are more managing than coaching, um, then that's a big red flag for me. So then I'll kind of do a deep dive into some questions around, um, you know, how, how do you coach? Give me an example of that. Um, you know, what's, what's the latest thing that you did to help an individual, you know, mm. uh, overcome maybe a struggle with their quota. They haven't been performing. So what did you do? It's like, oh, well, I got on Salesforce and uh, I pulled the numbers and I told them, you know, you just need two <laughs> more. I'm like, oh, eh. You know what I mean? So it's like, no, what did you do? It's like, well, yeah, start with the numbers. That's great because you should already know that anyways. But I want to hear, well, I really wanted, I dug into maybe the conversions. I wanted to understand, you know, opportunity creation to whatever other stages you have to sales, whatever close ratios are. And then we kind of, I sat down and started peeling that back. And then I got in the field. Hello, that still happens today and you should be doing it. Um, or, and if you're not, can't get in the field, are you on the phone with them? 
Are you role playing with them? You know, those are the kind of things I want to hear because that's where coaching uh, really comes in. That one okay. opportunity. You just lifted the box lid up again, man. Now let's go from <laughs> dripping to this. This is this is good. I was on the phone with one of my leaders that I coach today, mm-hmm. and he is a leader of other leaders. And so we were talking about what he needed to be doing to be coaching coaches because he's new to the role. And I, we talked about two things. One of them is what you just said. How do you create moments of observation? How do you like watch them do their job? So like you said, get in the field. And I think that changed a lot when COVID hit people, like everything went virtual. And now I think there's a lot of ways that we can have these observational moments. We can, we can diagnose before we prescribe. Cause I think when the world of data driven leadership happened, people forgot about the person and it became all about the numbers. And I think that led to some pretty bad coaching habits personally. Yeah. yeah they became CRM desk jockeys. Exactly. I can make a dashboard with the best of them and I'm sure your mom that's is right. proud, but what's that going to do for your people? Right. That's right. Can you talk about that? I mean, you stopped, you like made fun of it a little bit because it was important. Hello, people get in the field. Can you talk about why it's so important to actually observe and be working with your people rather than just looking at reports and, and taking anecdotal evidence? Because you, you, base, the basic is you don't understand what they're saying or how they're saying it or, or uh, objections or anything like that. You can role play all day long, which, which you, you should be uh, putting some of that into your, your weekly and monthly calendar in terms of uh, working on individual things, maybe overcoming objections or working through the sales discovery, but um, it's still not a real situation, right? So it's kind of rehearsed, it's planned. I've done role plays where people are like, oh yeah, ring, ring. Uh, yeah, such and such asked me to call you. And I'm like, no, they didn't. That's completely not even true. That wasn't even part of the role play, like, you know? So, <laughs> like, so you got to get out into the field, right? Because now it's real. Like no one can pull that off in a, in a, you know, a real life call. So you're out there with them and being able to see how they set up a call, how they transition. Um, you know, are they just showing up and throwing up, you know, on the customer? Um, and we have a chance in our business to do a lot of that because we have a lot of really cool things to talk about, um, things that are different and we can save customers sometimes a ton of money as well. And um, so there's a tendency to do that, but you can't do that. You got to hold, you got to have that Braveheart moment. hold, Hold, My man. Right? ask questions, find the, find some of those, those pain points. Right. And then maybe go back and only hit on those three things, not the eight things. So that's why it's so important. You cannot see that in a role play or from a desk. It's not possible. So this is really good. I mean, we got, again, we got all these sales leaders that are listening right now. And so I, I, I love like your mindset, attitude, skill. We haven't even gotten to skill development yet, but we're going to, this coaching thing is going to bridge us there. I think. Um, why do you think more leaders don't do that? I mean, I have some thoughts, but I'm really interested in yours because you obviously think that because again, you're like, hello, let's, let's do this. Why do you think more leaders are not doing that right now? Well, um, I think sometimes it, sometimes it comes down from the top, right? They're, They're just barking about numbers. And then, so then that's a fire drill for everybody all the way down, you know, to respond to numbers. So uh, sometimes leaders are, are spread pretty thin in terms of the size of the teams they have. Um, we don't generally like to have our, our leaders with teams any more than seven, maybe nine at the most, you know, okay, push pause right there. That's a big one. 
Yeah. I'm sorry that I'm sorry, man. I feel like Wayne's world. We're saying game on game off, right? Game off. Yeah. We got game on. We got some good movie references in this show today, man. We For could, sure, yeah. we got some good ones in here. Uh, Braveheart's better than Wayne's world though. So you win. Um, <laughs> um, I, 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 I think this is really, really important what you just said there. And I think that what you're talking about is what do you prioritize, right? Is that, is that what you're talking about? Absolutely. So um, I, of course, you've got to ask about numbers. You've got to ask about those of kind of things. But, um, you know, I, I've set up, um, I call them wigs, you know, wildly important goals. It's kind of, kind of a business term in some spaces. Yep. Um, and to kind of focus on the three things that are the most important. So I make sure that my leaders are very clear that, you know, it's, it's uh, creating, advancing and closing. That's the, that should be the majority of your day. Right. So we've set up our metrics. I know that makes every salesperson nervous, but you got to have metrics. Right. Um, But the reason why they're there is to try to understand the conversion between each one. So you're empowering them to get into where it really matters. And that's the skill. Sometimes it is um, the effort and sometimes it is quantity, um, you know, usually not, you know, but it's, it's the skill. So what do you think I'm asking about? Do you think I'm asking about opportunity creation or the conversions between, you know, I'm asking about the, the conversions between if they're not hitting their sales number. Yeah. I'll look at the opportunity created, but I, I want to understand the conversions in between and tell me what's going on with that individual. So now it's coming from me, right. To understand what's going on with that person. Are they having a, you know, how come they can't get the opportunity uh, from created to uh, agreement sent or proposal, whatever stage you have. Right. And how about from there to sales? What's going on? Have you been, What's going on on their sales call? Oh, well, what do you mean? You haven't been on one? Like, you know, again, it starts at the top in terms of how you just communicate with your leaders and the things that you set up that you feel are the most important to uh, help coach and develop your team. So I think your mindset and your attitude points to skill every time. I think it points to that because of what you just said. It does. So we're in a winner take all environment in sales. That's one of the reasons why I hope our listeners like really buckle into where we're going to go right now. In sales, it's winner take all, right? It's you don't have to be a hundred percent better than your competitor to get a hundred percent more of the opportunity. If you're one percent better perceived by them, you will get 100% of the opportunity. That's right. And so this skill development stuff isn't about like a 180 degree change from who you are. It's like, what are the one or 2% changes that we can make and how will they create these disproportionate results for us? Yeah, that's right. Let me, give, let me give you one example. So, yeah. so, so we'll look at like, hey, we have a stage which is agreement sent to, um, uh, to sold, right? And, uh, or, or call it proposal to sold as well. And when I see a conversion around that, that's not very good, Um, I start asking questions like this. So um, walk me through what you've been doing with your customers and what you've been communicating with them. Did you meet with them in person or not? Okay, great. And um, what what problem are you solving for them? That's a critical question. You know, that's, that's, people have heard that one before, but I mean, it's- No, you're touching all my buttons right now, man. This is- And then all of a sudden I'm like, so, so what, where did it get to? Like, you, you can't get this, you know, some of your proposals to sold. Yeah, man, they're always ghosting me. It's like, okay, so tell me, you prepared the proposal? Uh Uh-huh. So what did you do with the proposal? I emailed it to them. Okay. Um, And this, it happens. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? This really happens with a lot of people. I'm like, okay, well, 
And then what? Uh, well, then I, I I followed up with them, but I can't. I don't have. <laughs> I'm like the number one problem I've seen is that you have to at least attempt to set that next appointment, to cover that proposal and close them. You have to be assertive. We have too many people, salespeople today, I think that are passive. You don't have to be aggressive. There's a difference. Aggressive makes you just, you know, cringe, right? Uh, and you can think about some cringy salespeople in the past. Um, it's about moving from yeah. being passive to assertive and trying to control the sales process. Or at least making the attempt. I mean, nothing's going to happen to you. This is not, we don't have knives and guns out. No, no one's going to die here, right? No knives and guns. Todd, the more I talk to you, the more I like you, man. Um, I want to sit on that for a second. So choosing those areas where you'll get one to 2% better that can create significant disproportionate result. That's going to be different with every person on your team, right? Of course. Yes. And, and that's where coaching comes in. I'm guessing. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm guessing that's where coaching really like a good coach should be able to help identify those things and, and it helped those, those people on your team be curious about what's the best way to develop the skill. Because I think sometimes skill, um, skill can often be misinterpreted, I think. Have you ever felt that way or, or is that not I make think sense? So. And, and, you yeah. know, when we talked about having this conversation and um, you know, talking about skill, I'm like, I can imagine people like, oh, I already know that skill. Right. It's like, no, no, no. Like time out minute. Like I'm not talking about just oh yeah, make sure they got all their product knowledge when they first get hired and uh, make sure you throw up on them in your sales meetings and, uh, and have them go read a book. I mean, it, it's just, it's much deeper than that. And it's dialogue and, and breaking it down into exercises or scenarios, um, you know, and all the things that you do um, and, and how you go about it. So I think that one of the biggest, I got like this seven deadly sins of one-on-one coaching. I want to take one of them and ask you about it right now, if that's okay. Okay. I think one of the seven deadly sins of getting one-on-one coaching, right. Is, is you have conversations that don't lead to commitment. And um, if you're going to choose growth and that's like what you do, man, I mean, you're this guy that's started this whole thing with, I wasn't born a salesperson, but I became one and that salespeople aren't born. they're, They're developed. Right. Um, I don't think that coaching is really coaching if you don't finish with some kind of commitment on what's going to happen as a result. What are you going to do different? What are you going to do more of? What's going to change? You know, what are you going to do to try and become something that you weren't when we met today? Any thoughts around how you get commitment in a one-on-one? Uh, I think it's similar to an exercise we did at the beginning of this year around goals. You know, tell us about it. I want to hear it. Yeah. So you know, when we when we set individual goals this year. Um, the exercise was around, tell me what the goal is and it better be specific. I don't want to hear, you know, I, I need to lose weight, you know, or, or I just, I want to sell more, you know, it's like, well, how much more? So be specific. Um, I, I, you could start to go down this road about smart goals and stuff like that. And that's a little bit of that. Uh, and then we kind of established the why, like, like, why do you really want to do that? Why do you want to reach that goal? Right. And, and get that emotional in there. Right. Um, and then and then there was a trick. And then tell me what your trigger is, like what's going to trigger you to work on this goal every time? You know, is it time blocking? Like that's still a real thing. It still works, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's one of the most important skills to have. And people look at me like, oh, man, put me in a straitjacket. It's like, no, 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 no. It's like, we're just telling you that your day is going to get pulled. You're going to get blown around from the wind. Is that what you want? You want to wake up every day and hope it's going to be a good day? Like it's not going to work that way. That's not life. So 
I think you have to use that same type of goal setting principle and try to understand uh, the specifics around what the challenge is and try to understand the result. What, what happens here? Why, if we go from here to there, should we, right? What's going to happen to you, right? What's gonna, what's, what is going to help you? What is going to pay you more? What are you going to be able to achieve or buy or get out of debt or you know, ask that person to marry you or whatever it might be? Um, that's where you kind of have to tie that emotional part uh, to getting better as well, because there's an end result. It's not just because I told you, you know, there's a lot of leaders that just say, get better, do more. Um, and, and it just doesn't, it doesn't satisfy it. Really, really smart because the emotional tie-in is what creates that commitment, right? That's right. You don't Absolutely. do it because you have to. Now we're enrolling, we're signing up, we're raising our hand and say, I am in. Yep. And it seems like there's like not that many places that creates that. But when we're talking about someone's career, you're going to get a couple of them. Your, your, your family, what you can do for them is one of them. Your finance, that's another one. I think there's like three or four F's that lead to emotion. And those are two of them that I think you can tap into in business. You know, I, I think sometimes leaders need to think like what they're telling their sales reps in terms of having good discovery calls <laughs> with their customers. They've got to do that with their, their, their people. So, Hey, here's this, you know, whether you call it spin or whatever, like here's the situation, right. And we, and we got to get from here to there. Um, Would you agree? This is a problem right now. And try to identify that implication and needs payoff. You know, if you kind of act like that, um, which is a good thing, you help people understand and learn on their own to go. Yeah, that's a problem. Well, what if you were to do this or what other suggestions you may have to get there? You know, what if he had spent a little more time, one more hour on the phone or in the field or, you know, what would be that payoff for you? You know, let's work it backwards from a math perspective, understand, you know, what your take home is going to be as, as a result. Uh, yeah. And that just helps them ad- identify it on their own. And you have a whole different level of commitment when you do that. And I'm telling you, man, we're, we're, I can't believe we're down to our last five minutes. It's crazy. We're almost out of time. Agreed. We've talked about dripping. We've talked about curiosity. We've talked about coaching. We've talked about working on your own on, outside. We've talked about hiring versus building. I mean, observable moments, practice, problems, mindset, attitude, skills. It's been crazy, man. <laughs> we covered a lot of really great stuff. This is an awesome conversation. I knew it would be. I want to ask you one last thing that I know we can't dive into, but it's yep. something that I've seen with you specifically to great effect that I, I would be letting our listeners down if I didn't just get a couple of minutes on it. And then we'll finish the way that we finish every show. Yeah. Is that cool? Yeah, let's go for it. So mission, the mission of your team, the mission that you get behind, how important is mission if you want to like get that fuel uh, around commitment to growth? If people want to like say, I'm going to spend, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to grow. I'm going to choose growth over grind. I'm going to choose growth over talent. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do things outside of work. I'm going to find things to share. I'm, I'm going to become somebody that I'm not. How important is mission as part of that? Is that less important or is that just something that I've observed with you where you are now, or is that helpful in getting people to want to make those growth changes? Well, I think it's super helpful to get them to do that. Um, again, I, like I earlier, I think I, I referenced, you know, I think it's either in you to do it or not. You have to practice what you preach and all that kind of good stuff. So, you know, my mission at the end of the day, personally, um, you know, I, I always I always say I'm not looking to, to uh, hire people that I can motivate. I'm looking to hire motivate people that are already motivated and create the environment where they can, can thrive. 
right? So, that is so great. Say that one more time. I want everyone to hear that. Yeah. You're not here to motivate. I said that, that that's yeah, a really I, I, good sound I, I tell people, do you think I can motivate you, your effort and your attitude? People are like, no. I'm like, well, no, I actually could. And I can, I can tank it either way. I could, you know, be your biggest cheerleader, your biggest enemy, right? But, but I'm not here to do that. So I'm looking for people that are already motivated, right? And I, it's my responsibility then to create the environment where those motivated people can thrive. And that environment uh, is my mission. That, that's my sole mission is to create the environment where they can learn and grow and be successful. Because if they are, then I'm successful. They're making money. Um, they're loving life. Um, and at the end of the day, um, if they move on and, and say, wow, you know, you made a difference in, in my career so I can move on. That's my mission right there. I, I know that I've done my job. So I think getting behind a mission, whatever it might be, as I think is pretty important because it brings out passion in you, uh, whatever that, that mission is, as long as it's a positive one. That's awesome. That's a great place for us to, to wrap. I'm going to ask you the three questions I ask everybody, and then I'm going to give you uh, the kind of final thoughts to kind of wrap it up. And, yep. uh, and we're, I can't believe that we're, we're about out of time. Uh, question one, man, biggest leadership challenge you see right now and, and any suggestions to your 20,000 people listening to you on how you beat it? Oh boy. Uh, and it's probably even more so today. Uh, I don't okay. and it's hard to understand why, but is finding salespeople that really want to do the things that are required to be successful and then stick to it for a period of time to be really good. There's so many uh, people that just simply, you know, at six month mark, they think they've been doing pretty good and they now want the promotion. It's like, uh, that didn't happen for me. Um, and I was doing pretty good. Um, so it's just finding people that really want to dig in and do the job. Uh, to do that, it all starts in the interview process. We all make the mistakes again, though. Um, and it's just trying to, the way you go through your interview, trying to make sure those critical questions are asked and you see that level of excitement and curiosity and mindset, it's all there, right? Um, and if you can see that and demonstrate it, then, then you're probably in a pretty good place. <laughs> Love it. You've talked about interviewing several times, so I can't wait to hear this one. If you if you were to look at how you interview people, is there like one, like, I know you got a lot, you've talked about three of them on this, in this conversation. Is there like one kind of interview topic or question that you think trumps them all? That's your go-to that I know they all matter, but is there one that really matters more to you than others? Well, you know, like I said earlier too, I, um, I really have a methodical structure to my interviewing. Um, and I do like to blend it, um, in terms of the things I'm trying to listen to and hear, um, but you know, my, I ask a, a 60 day question, um, and I can't remember who I learned it from. Um, and it was, uh, it, it goes something like, Hey, so it's a, this is a two part question, right? And the first part is real. And the second part is hypothetical. First part is let's say we hire you, we bring you on board, we give you all the training that we think you need. And, and by the way, you're going to get it here right? You're, you're going to get good onboarding and you're going to have sales training and we're going to role play. We're going to do all this fun stuff to help you get really good. Um, and let's say the hypothetical part, because it's not going to happen, but hypothetically at that point, we disappear. What do you do over the next 60 days? It's hmm. good. I like yeah, it. And, and people struggle with that. Um, and, it, and I'm not looking for some rocket science answer. I'm looking for someone that says, I'm going to take what you taught me and I'm going to go to work. And then, and maybe if I need questions, uh, I'm going to go lateral and I'm going to get out. I, you've taught me my, where my territory is and the skill and what to sell. Now it's up to me to go do it. It's like, great. The, remember the second part was hypothetical because we'll be there for you. Sure. Of course. I know you well enough. All right. That's awesome. Last one. 
uh, leaders quite often are readers. And I know sometimes we don't like to read, but maybe it's audibles or maybe it's podcasts or maybe it's blogs. Yep. Is there anything that you'd suggest for our leaders that are listening? I don't care if it's a book or, or not a book that you'd suggest that they start to consume as part of their leadership journey. Well, they're already listening to you. Hopefully if they're listening to this, they're listening to you because again, <laughs> Thank I don't you. want to get snappy, snappy on you, but it's been you and your guests have been very instrumental in my leadership career over the last several years. So Thank I, you. I really appreciate that. Um, I, I'm a, also a really big Mike Weinberg fan. Uh, love him. He's actually going to be on the show here pretty quick. I'm oh my excited God. to have him. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he, he gives me chills too. Like, it's like, it's just so fundamental. This is not rocket science. Right. Um, and, and I just love his approach with everything. Um, you know, I'm reading a book right now called teams win championships. Um, I think, I think it's pretty good. It's like five international type leaders, you know, one from the U S Canada, Germany, Italy, and Spain that all kind of pulled it together. Um, and, it, and it's a pretty insightful book. Um, but like I said before, again, using the word blended, um, that's what I'm doing podcasts and, and reading and, and uh, LinkedIn influencers like Richard Smith with Refract. I, I love the stuff he put, puts out. Too. He's good. Another yeah. good one. He's also been on the show. Yeah. Um, how do they get more of you, Todd? You're going to have a lot of people that might want to connect or continue the conversation or share ideas or, or learn more from you. Uh, how do people get more of you? How do they, how do they connect with you? How, how do they learn more about what you're all about? Uh, LinkedIn is the easiest way. So uh, I'm there. You'll see that I'm active. Um, I love commenting on other things. I love posting. Um, I don't spend a ton of my time doing it, but I do enough to, to stay relevant, right? Uh, yep. and, I, and, and keep influenced, you know, from- I love, your, I love what you share. I love what you comment on. You're, so you, I, I, would, I would advise everyone, if yeah. they're not doing that already, connect with Todd today. Absolutely. Please, please connect with me. I, I'm, I am a person that loves to play it forward. And I've done things with people coming out of college even that's like, Hey, I need to interview for the sales job. I'm like, if people get referred to me, maybe through family members and uh, someone at, at dinner at a restaurant that I've gotten to know the other day asked me about that. I said, well, just be ready. Cause I'm not going to be easy. Like, I'm not going to go easy on you. I'm going to do it like I do with everybody. Right. Awesome. And it's just because that's, what's real. And they, that this person did it with me. And then they had five job offers and I'm not the secret, trust me, but it's like, you know, you really prepared me. You asked you helped me walk me through a process. So I'm willing to do that with just about anybody, as long as you're really willing to listen and uh, take hold of it. The great ones usually are. All right, man. Final thought. If you were to take like uh, 60 to 120 seconds, any final thoughts on what we've talked about today that you share with these sales leaders all around the world? Uh, yeah, just that, that kind of buzzword again today, like be intentional about what you do, right? Um, and, and find that mission. It's really uh, looking for people that are curious. Be curious yourself. Um, if you're not innate, um, you know, uh, that might be a challenge for you. Um, but, you know, just be willing to put the time in for your people. Your people are what make you successful. So um, just in, engage at, at that level uh, and, and look to drift. That's it, man. His name is Todd Spooner. He's uh, helping create environments where the motivated people can thrive. And he's developing elite sales leaders that are solving problems that matter and a heck of a good guy. So connect with this dude, follow what he's about. You'll be, you uh, will have a lot of success as a result. Todd, thanks so much for joining us today, man. And as I say to everybody, happy selling. Yeah. Thanks, Rob. What a blast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, 
This podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. And if you're like most leaders, you've got killer sales process, proven sales tools, and great sales training in place, but you've been left on your own to figure out your sales leadership process, your sales leadership tools, your sales leadership systems, and your sales leadership training. And while there are no shortcuts to success, you for sure can get there faster if you take the most direct route. And that's why I created Sales Leadership United as a resource center for every sales leader in the world. No matter what industry you're in, no matter what company you're in, or no matter how long you've been leading sales teams. Listen, if you liked the content of this podcast, you're going to love the sales leadership contest in our community for sales leaders, Sales Leadership United. Right now, you can find it on Patreon, and it's like a Home Depot for sales leaders. You're going to find video experts of this and all of our episodes in three to five minute segments, all cut up nicely, tagged and organized by topic to help you on in your sales leadership journey with things that, you, that matter to you. You're also going to find some of my very best content, over 100 hours of sales leadership training materials, sales meeting ideas, sales meetings in a box even. Uh, sales leadership and coaching systems, and much, much more. You're going to find everything you need to build an elite sales leadership approach in Sales Leadership United. So don't go reinventing sales leadership. Tap into proven training and proven techniques used by some of the most successful sales leaders in the world and head to Sales Leadership United today. I can't wait to see you. Now let's get back to this episode. Todd Spooner. Todd's a great guy. I know Todd, you probably picked that up. I'm a fan of Todd, and I'll just say it. He's a fantastic sales leader. He's one of the great ones. I've seen what he does firsthand. I've seen the results, but more important, I've seen the commitment and the culture and the team at Kings 3. And I was really excited to bring Todd on the show because I'm so impressed with his understanding and approach to his role as a sales leader. Um, Listen, too many sales leaders think their role is to hit a, a number as a team. It's an outcome-related role. I know because I ask people all the time. It always comes out. Um, But Todd knows, I know because he's told me, but more important because his actions reflect this, that his role as a sales leader is one of growth and improvement of the people he leads. He measures his success by how they grow and improve individually, and as they do so, they have massive success happen. Not because they worked harder, not because they were grinding harder, but because they got better. This is such an important thing for you to think about as you start, because if you get the right role, i.e. growth and improvement instead of sell, 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 then you're going to, you're going to engage as a leader differently. And I think that success in anything that's performance related starts with role clarity because the activities that help you hit a role of hitting a number are extremely different than the activities that will help you if the role is growth and improvement. Don't ever say that Rob Jepson said that the scoreboard doesn't matter. It does. I know we're in a scoreboard-driven world. I'm just saying there are better ways to get there than saying more activities, more grind, more activities, more grind, more of your time, less of less of you, okay? Um, listen, I'm doing a lot, like a ton of sales leadership workshops, workshops with companies all around the world right now. Uh, I, I got through sales kickoff year, and now we're into doing a lot of, of workshops with sales leadership teams, and these are really powerful, but I start almost every one with role. And then what are the high value activities that support that role? It's a conversation that most sales leaders have never had, whether you're a chief sales officer like Todd or a 
brand new frontline manager, most of the time that's not a conversation that you have. And so I like to start there because it really makes it easy to talk about one of the pillars of growth and improvement and success. I think there's four pillars that you can build massive success on. The first is your health. You can't be successful unless you're healthy. That's an easy one. Second is your mindset. I talk about it all the time. Third is your self-identity. I have a bit of that stuff in Sales Leadership United. We haven't really hit that on this show. We probably will do that sometime. Uh, the last one is your environment, and that's what we talked about today, is in building environments where people can thrive. Todd gave us a master class on how to create an environment where people on your team can thrive, not just succeed, but thrive. There are a ton of elements that go into building an environment where people can thrive. And Todd really kicked it all off with a really cool personal story about how he got into sales and he said, you know, I, I, I'm not a salesperson. And his, his buddy was like, do you think salespeople are born? And he's like, well, aren't they? And he learned that elite salespeople aren't born, they're made. And he's taken this lesson into his life as a sales leader. And as a result, he's had that role from the get-go. And I want to go back and, and turn this conversation that you listened to into notes because you're going to get a blueprint on how to help members of your team grow, how to improve, how to become elite. And it starts by having an environment where the members of the team choose growth, individual development. Listen, the organization can give you some of the tools you need to help do this. Your personal coaching and mentoring and leadership can, can, can give some additional tools, some additional process, some additional resources for this. But the best growth is going to come in the work they do on their own. Because then they're chasing, they're pushing, pushing themselves and pushing you. And some of this is going to be about who you hire, but more of this is going to be about the environment you create or the culture that you build. And it has to be, it must be extremely intentional because you can't demand people to grow. You, you, you create an environment where those you lead can choose growth. And it starts with you as a leader. You have to practice what you preach. You need to be choosing growth too. So share with your team how you're trying to grow, just like Todd does. I mean, I hope you caught that. Todd is leading first. Leaders go first. You need to share what you're chasing. You need to share why it matters. Todd's built a culture where everyone on his team is intentionally growing. They're sharing stuff. They're talking about it. They're, they're aware of what they're chasing. They're aware of what others are chasing. And they're pushing Todd hard as a result. And it's awesome. It keeps Todd growing and developing faster. It makes it so he can't become stagnant. And if you as a leader don't go first, it's hard to get those on your team to buy into this type of culture. So you need to ask yourself, what are you doing to help yourself, to develop yourself, to grow yourself? Who or what are you reading? Who or what are you listening to? How are you implementing it? Why does it matter? How are you introducing yourself to new ways of doing or thinking? And are you intentionally sharing this with those you lead? Because this is going to help fuel belief in the importance of growth. And once they get that belief, it's contagious. It's irresistible. And once you've got that built into your culture, it's going to attract people who want the same thing in their lives or their careers. You're going to be blown away how, how much of a magnet that is. It's going to help you develop leaders. It's going to help you develop salespeople. So I don't care if your direct reports are other leaders. And I don't care if they're other salespeople. I don't care if you're coaching coaches. And I don't care if you're coaching reps. You have to create an environment where those you lead will willingly choose growth because that's what a real influencer is. Listen, in our modern social media driven world, being an influencer sometimes is interpreted as how big your reach is, how many likes you can get. It's about look at me, 
like me. In the fitness world, it's my arms, it's my abs, it's my ass, right? It's all those things. In the sales world, it's the same thing. Look at me. We got charlatans everywhere. I think most of it's bullshit. I think being an influencer is about being like Todd. It's not how many likes you get. It's not how many clicks you get. It's about how good you are at getting someone to willingly change, to voluntarily grow, to choose to improve, because that's the jam. That's easy to talk about, but I'm telling you it's challenging to do because change is hard and it's super easy to resist. But if you can be a sales leader, an influencer who helps each member of your team make that choice voluntarily to grow, then then you're on the road to being an elite sales leader. And that's when you're creating life-changing years for the people you lead. And that's why Todd is having so much success with his team at Kings 3. He's created an environment where the members of his team can thrive because they choose to. And I can tell you, I've seen those people. It's, it's an it's a energy that is like something that's palpable. You can feel it. You can touch it. It's very real. And, uh, and it's fun. I met so many of his, of his people, and I'm telling you, it's fun. And so that's what sales leadership is all about. So, Todd, thanks so much for joining me. Congratulations on your amazing success with a company that's doing so much good. And thank you for your willingness to share with the sales community. You've provided insights that will help thousands of leaders create more impact with multiple thousands of the salespeople they lead. This was a fun conversation for me, and it's one that I hope people go back and deconstruct several times because there is gold there. And if you haven't connected with Todd, be sure to do so. He's a fantastic sales leader and one who's happy to help others if they ever reach out. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. If you like this episode, please go to iTunes and give us a five-star review. It goes a long way in helping me get the best guests in the world on our show. But the best compliment you can give me is to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Share the show with someone who needs to hear it. And then be elite. Live strong. Chase your passions. And don't worry. Just execute. Because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.